This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. What will you choose? No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Real EFL's League 2 Look Back. I am your host Matt and joining me this week we have Brandon and Charlie. Brandon, Charlie guys, how are you? Well I might finally say something positive about Grimsby this episode but we're going to be seen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I mean it was a a good week for for Grimsby wasn't it? Uh, Charlie, how, how are you? I'm very well. I won't be saying anything positive about Grimsby this week because that is not in my nature. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You, although you you may say some uh, something about a certain Walsall player, we will see <laughs> when we come to that a little bit later on. Well, look, let's get on to our very first game. And that was Morecambe versus Stockport. This is our game of the day. Now, Morecambe versus Stockport. The final score was 1-1 in a, what I actually think was quite an entertaining end-to-end game. Uh, Morecambe, uh, uh, Mellon scored in the 70th minute and then Wooten scored in the 87th for Stockport. Guys, did you see it? What did you think? Uh, yeah, w- what did you think of the, uh, of, of the? I mean, did you see the goals first, the, the Morecambe goal, for instance? Did you see it? What did you think of that? Oh, that, that Morecambe goal. I, I mean, I've got, I've got notes here that I've made and I've literally just written down that that was probably one of the calmest attacks I've ever seen. First of all, the composure for the assist and then the composure by Mellon to somehow just be able to tuck that into the net with the keeper coming at him. Absolutely fantastic goal. I think, one of the, probably the biggest things that you could just watch from that game was the conditions looked horrendous. Um, I was I was up at Wigan yesterday and it was terrible there. But I quite I didn't mind it too much being undercover and all of this. But you could tell that the Morecambe and Stockport players certainly weren't enjoying it. I think the biggest example of that was actually probably uh, Callum Camps. He had an effort that uh, it was almost carried into the net by the wind, but it ended up just kind of hitting the post crossbar kind of area. Um, sort of in the sort of top corner of the woodwork. I think that one just kind of symbolised the conditions. But, but Morecambe will be more than happy with a point. Stockport, eh, maybe less so. 
Yeah, I mean, Stockport, obviously, they, 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 they do keep going, obviously, right until the end. Uh, was it uh, Whitten scored? Uh, it was that header, wasn't it? A uh, crossing from the right-hand side, a bit of a, almost a scramble in the box. I mean, uh, especially when you go and look at the, the stats, Brandon. Obviously, if you look at um, the possession stats, for instance, Stockport had 73% uh, possession in that game, but just didn't really sit, couldn't really do much with it. Well, I looked at the actual shot map on Footmob. If you see that, you'll notice that Stockport were only able to actually manage one attempt in Morecambe's box. So, yeah, you can say that potentially they have set up for a point, but they've done it so well. And the point for either side, you can look at it in two ways for Stockport. Morecambe will be more than happy. But for Stockport, you know, getting that late goal... So it's sort of a game that will remain to be seen depending on how they can follow up. You know, could that be a potential turning point? Because Stockport have dropped a few points recently, but, you know, if they can respond, then that goal late on at Morecambe can be looked at in a positive light, can be a positive point. So would you would you basically almost say Morecambe definitely did yeah, set up to play for that point? They wanted that point. That was their goal for that game, especially in those conditions. Yeah, definitely. And outside of the weather conditions, recent conditions at Morecambe, you have to look at as well. It, it's almost stopped the rot for a lot of Morecambe fans with a lot of the negativity around Adams. I'm not sure if you noticed in the highlights, but you can sort of hear some protest chants towards the higher-ups of the club. So, you know, I think for quite a team gritty performance they'll be more than happy with a point i don't think there's any shame in saying that they set up for a point despite being at home no absolutely i mean uh charlie i've got to then ask uh brandon mentioned it as well stockport have in the last few weeks dropped a few points you know unexpectedly so do you think teams are starting to work out what stockport are all about it's it's a weird one with Stockport because they didn't actually have the greatest start to the season either. They were very much in a bit of a run, sort of that they're in now, kind of getting quite a few sort of draws early on. You know, there was three draws in their first sort of six league matches. But what set them apart was then that kind of that run of wins. And we obviously we spoke so much at length on this podcast about how untouchable they seem to be at the top of the table. I remember there was a question asked to, to myself a few weeks back, Matt, uh, along the lines of, you know, what can stop Wrexham from being promoted out of this league? And the top answer really is Stockport because of just how solid they were. Now, they're in a little bit of a worse run. They've had three games on the bounce where, you know, they've not won. One loss and two draws in the league. Obviously, another draw in the FA Cup against non-league opposition as well. But I don't think this is any kind of a cause for concern. You can't go on a, what was it, 13-match winning run and then expect that to always continue or expect then when you drop your first points to then just get straight back to winning ways. It's not going to happen. They're going to have a little bit of a blip at different points this season. That's fine. But if we were talking about any other team in this league, including Stockport, if we were saying that they'd only lost one league match in their last, what was it, 17, 18 league matches, we wouldn't be sat here saying, "Have has anybody sort of figured out their system? Just because I think they're on, they're kind of dropping a couple of points now 
I don't really think it's a cause for concern. They're still six points clear at the top of the table. Yes, okay. A lot of that is because of the three teams chasing them in Mansfield, Wrexham and Barrow all didn't play yesterday. But I think they're still in a really, really solid position. And it's starting to look like it's going to be their promotion anyway, but their title to lose. Yeah, do you know what? I was literally thinking that exact same thing. It's it's almost theirs to lose, isn't it? It's uh, they, they look unstoppable. I, I wouldn't say they've been worked out, but obviously the, the last few games they haven't picked up as many points as you might expect. But thus be League Two football, and obviously after that one-one scoreline, that leaves Morecambe in twelfth place. Stockport are still top of the pile there in first. We're going to move on to our next game. This was Wimbledon versus Swindon. Brandon, over to you. So Wimbledon moved into seventh place in League Two with their third win in four. In four, obviously aided by a lot of teams around them not playing. However, don't take it away from them. They came out of the blocks. Had Al Hamidi had an effort off the line until Omar Bugiel opened the scoring midway through the first half with a from a getting on to the end of a ball from Joe Lewis and turned away by Omar Bugiel. And then an absolutely stunning strike from Armani Little in the 59th minute, put it out of reach for Swindon. And then late on, it's inevitable. Alhamidi with 11 minutes left, then scored his 12th and 13th goal of the season. And yeah, I have to say, I think it shows a lot of disparity between the sort of feel of the two clubs right now. I thought, you know, if you look on Wimbledon socials, there's such a togetherness between them all at the moment. And I think they really believe that they have a say in this promotion race, whereas Swindon, you know, they've been so inconsistent and there's now questions being asked of the higher ups and the management of the club. There is, there is, and I'm, I'm going to get on to a question for about Swindon in a second. But Charlie, look, I've got, I've got to ask you this question, and 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 actually, I'm glad Brandon has brought this, brought this up because I kind of I know what my position is on this question. I'm going to ask you. It's January the first. A League One team comes in Wimbledon. Do they accept the bid for Hamadi and 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 let him go? Or do you think they keep hold of him? Because so I said, I know where I would stand if I was him, especially right now. Uh, but where would you stand? I think actually Brandon's already answered the question, kind of in in sort of two parts. So first of all, Brandon, you, you know, you, you very much said that when AFC Wimbledon were, were leading and the game kind of looked out of contention for Swindon, you said it is inevitable they were going to win. What was inevitable was Al Hamadi scoring, <laughs> and and this is the thing, and this is what he's doing so far this season. He's having a fantastic season so far in League Two, and it is great to see for him. Whether or not he goes now, this is kind of the other part of it. I, I think that Brandon has very much already answered in his sort of comments about AFC Wimbledon specifically is the togetherness. They've got this opportunity to make playoffs this season. I think there's a couple of those playoff places that are very much up for grabs. I think we're starting to see three or four teams that you would expect now to be in the top seven by the end of the season. And if they're not 
from this point onwards, you would begin to be surprised. Now, I don't think AFC Wimbledon are one of those teams, but I do think they're one of the kind of cluster of six, seven, eight teams that will all be vying for those final three, let's say, positions in the playoffs. And I think they've got a great opportunity to do it because it's not always just about, like you say, what you've got in terms of technical ability on the pitch, but also that mental togetherness that you've got off it. But the fact that Al Hamadi has very much got the technical ability on the pitch, you combine that with this kind of togetherness, this kind of attitude that seems to be going all around AFC Wimbledon Football Club at the minute. I don't see any reason for him to leave. I think there will be will be bids that come in, and I think who knows, AFC Wimbledon may try to extract as much money as possible. But I don't think he should leave. Not yet. I think he should see out the rest of this season because, like I say he could very much help AFC Wimbledon get into that top seven and become a little bit of a hero in that football club. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I honestly would say unless a team comes in and literally it's like a million pounds, you know, here's a million pounds for him type thing, they need to keep hold of him. And I think if I was him as well, like Brandon said, that, that togetherness that there is at that club at the moment, uh, do you know what? I, I would want to be there for that promotion push because I feel that there is a promotion push within that team. And uh, talking about promotions and, and playoffs, Brandon, look, is there any chance Swindon can make the playoffs? Because uh, I kind of feel like with their defence, uh, it's kind of letting them down a bit. Well, I think with the tone of a lot of a lot of Swindon fans are taking at the moment. You wouldn't think that they're anywhere near those playoff places whatsoever. But yeah, I to an extent can agree with them. I think there's a lot that can only really get worse in current conditions. We know that they quite often prefer to outscore teams and those two strikers on January 1st, there's very much a chance that they're straight back to the parent clubs. And personally, if I was those parent clubs, they'd be straight back on the 1st of January. But yeah, I think there's some serious questions beginning to sort of creep in at Swindon now, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch. And January is such a big month for them in terms of how far they can actually push on this season. Do you know what? I will back 100% right what you said about the strikers potentially going back. I kind of feel that that is something that is is, is going to potentially happen there. Um, but look, I, unfortunately, I, you know, as a Jules fan, I've got to say, I, I hope, always hope Swindon get relegated. But as a League Two fan, you know, look, Swindon, unfortunately, yeah, their defence at the moment, they need to shore their defence up. If they can keep hold of them, those two strikers, if they stay at their club, I think they'll be fine. But if they can't, yeah, I think they're going to miss out this season. But obviously, after that 4-0 win by AFC Wimbledon uh, yesterday, that leaves them seventh and Swindon are currently in ninth. Right, on to our next game. This was Notts County versus Walsall. Charlie, over to you. Well, from one team who were clearly struggling defensively to another, we've now got Notts County Walsall. So this was obviously a game where Notts County wanted to try and get a win on the board to try and get back-to-back victories for the first time in a few matches as they've struggled to really get much consistency in the league over recent weeks. Started well for them as they got given a free kick in the wide attacking third due to some horrendous mix-up, mix, miscommunication by the Walsall defenders. Like in the defensive left part area of the pitch, 
was really, really poor. Um, but after a short free kick routine failed to pierce the Warsaw defence, the ball came back out wide, where it was lifted into the area only for Aidan Baldwin to nod home the opening goal on the half-hour mark. Dan Crowley also then had a really, really good opportunity in the first half as his side stole the ball from Warsaw, who were attempting to play out from the back. And yes, the irony is not lost on me, that's County being able to uh, try to benefit there from a team playing out from the back. But they didn't, and it stayed 1-0 going into the first half, going into the halftime break. So obviously they survived the first the lead for the first half, but it would not survive long into the second, as straight after the break as a Warsaw attack saw the ball lifted onto the head of McEntry, who guided the ball off the post and into the net. Really, really nice headed finish, that one. And McEntry then got a brace with a perfect half volley that went into the sh- went straight into the top corner of the net. And that secured the three points for Walsall at Meadow Lane. I listened to um, Luke Williams's post-match press conference after this one, and he called out his team's lack of energy and bravery in what was a game that needed fight and physicality. We know what Notts County's style of play is especially this season. But in games like yesterday, with the conditions the way they were, with the Warsaw team that was set up the way they were, Notts County really needed more fight and they just didn't seem to have it. Luke Williams also went on to reject any notion that the team could use the conditions yesterday as an excuse, but simply saying that it was inexcusable that they weren't able to adapt to it. Now, I think there were a few Notts County fans who ended up booing uh, at the end of yesterday's game. And I think Luke Williams is actually starting to be under a little bit of pressure. don't think anybody expects Knox County to get back-to-back promotions, but people were very much expecting to to see them somewhere up there this season. But I think some of the inconsistencies that they're bringing in, and let's be honest, some of the defensive errors that they've got consistently at the minute. I mean, the three goals they gave away to Shrewsbury in the FA Cup, things like that they just cannot be doing week in, week out, and unfortunately they are. So Notts County seriously have some questions to answer at the minute. They do, and look, Brandon, I'll, this question has been bugging me, only because I, I, I sort of mentioned it a few weeks ago. So I've got to throw this at you because... Can Notts County realistically score more goals than they will concede this season to gain promotion? Because, you know, they're winning games 4-3-0 sometimes, uh, but then they're going and conceding 4-5 goals a game. So, can it be done? I think in this league in particular, it's never a formula that works out on a consistent enough basis to really drive into those automatics. And you look now, they're down to sixth place in the league. And after the first 10 games, you know, that was probably unimaginable with how good they looked going forward. But the same errors they're making consistently and whether that does come as a part of the system that they play to score all those goals, that's another question to be asked. However, if Notts County are to be competing in those playoffs... I'm also concerned about them and how they'd be able to fare against a quite resolute side along the lines of Barrow or even Wimbledon across the course of two legs when, you know, there's sort of that space to sort of sit back and be resolute and exploit Notts County's 
measures. But yeah, right now, I think January in particular, they're very much missing Matty Palmer's presence in midfield. You know, January's a big month for Knox County, as it is for Swindon, for two very different reasons. But yeah, I don't think outscoring opposition in this division in particular, because there's plenty of sides that will play the way Walsall did. So, yeah, I don't think it is necessarily a viable Formula 4 promotion for Knotts. No, I don't think he, so either. But it's it's a bit of a shame, as I said, because they have got a great forward line. But, yeah, that, that defensive uh, unit at the moment is obviously not working, so something needs to change. But, um, Charlie, this, this win for Walsall, do you think this takes a massive amount of pressure off Matt Sadler's shoulders? I think it does and it doesn't. In I think first of all, let you know we can't ignore what happened in the FA Cup for them. They they're having to face a replay against Alfreton. Obviously, they, they've they already had to travel to Alfreton twice in the last week, uh, but they did then have to have they're you know going to have to have a replay against them. But then we look in the league. This is obviously their first win in a good few games, and it was definitely a win that like you say is needed because Matt Sadler had so much pressure on him. I was. Um, I was kind of at the Alfred and Warsaw game that got postponed last Saturday and I was looking through social media all morning and kind of some of the, some of the Warsaw um, sort of comments that were being made. And when I'm just looking there on Twitter, all I'm seeing is get Sadler gone, Sadler out, Matt Sadler out, this, all of this. There was so much pressure on him. Then there was a lot less pressure on him, obviously, yesterday. I think this has taken anything immediate away, but I think he has to then be they have to then be able to back this up. This is a this is a result that is one big result, of course, but they've got we already know they're playing at home to Alfreton on Tuesday night, and they're gonna want to be able to get a victory in that. And then they've got Tranmere Rovers at home and then Accrington away, crew at home, and then Wrexham at home, sort of to round off. December. Not easy matches at all, but they're going to need to be picking points up in them because if they don't, suddenly they're going to get to the January transfer window. There is the potential that Freddie Draper may end up getting recalled. You know, not saying that he is that integral to them as a team, but suddenly they'll have to be making a big decision at the start of January as to whether or not it's Matt Sadler that's helping to make the recruitment options. in that transfer window or whether it's a new manager. I think realistically, like I say, those four games are going to be a key turning point for Walsall this season and a key turning point for Matt Sadler and his job there. Yeah, and obviously if he can survive those four games, uh, hopefully get some good talent in in, uh, January and keep the players he's already got. Who knows what the next half of the season will bring. But obviously, after that 2-1 win, that leaves Walsall currently are in 16th and Notts County are in 6th. On to our next game now. This was my game to watch. This was Colchester United versus Crawley. And it finished Crawley to Colchester United 1. Goals by Kelly and Orsi, a penalty for Crawley. uh, Put them 2-0 up. And a a 90-plus 7-minute goal by Taylor for uh, for Colchester, sorry, do, uh, got them back. Uh, the Kelly goal, uh, talk you through it. It was some great little play uh, by uh, by Crawley in the build-up. Uh, ball came to uh, Will Wright on the edge of the box. Uh, uh, he sort of had the ball. He, he came to cut in. 
Uh, he, he went to cross it, ball rebounded, he got a second chance, cut it back to Kelly, who came raining in, who's managed to somehow get it into the, beat the keeper at his near post. Uh, so I think the keeper might be missighted by uh, a, a player just in front. I think it was uh, Danilo or Orsi, sorry, uh, I think it might have been in front of him. Uh, then uh, on to, obviously, the uh, the penalty incident. Now, in the 64th minute, um, first off, did you see it, guys? I've got to ask you, because why the ref didn't just wait half a second and play the advantage because they scored anyway? Uh, I don't know. But, yeah, definite penalty. Um, but, yeah, what, what, why, why didn't the ref just wait two seconds, you know? Well... Isn't that what Man City fans were all asking over the past week as well? It's unfortunately advantages at the referee's discretion. Did he make a mistake? Mistake, sure, um, but you know that happens. Once the whistle's blown, it can't go back. But like you say, it was a penalty, so you know it, it's it's one of those where it's easy enough to you know blame if you like the uh, the referee, but same time it was a definite penalty they'll be that they'll have taken the penalty if it wasn't for the fact that they've scored anyway so it's six and a half a dozen yeah i mean it's a shame say so literally that half a second and and we wouldn't have had to go through the penalty routine it's, it's such a shame but i mean uh danilo also literally just thundered the ball into the back of the net uh and then with literally what must have been the last kick of the uh, game culture to manage to break through uh, Taylor with a uh, a great shot for the edge of the box, looping over the goalkeeper into the back of the net. Um, it, do you know what? I, I've got to say, I thought it was a cracking game of football, even though that where where Colchester are in the table, they really were fighting. Um, but I'm going to move on to a couple of questions because I've got to ask Brandon. One of the things I did notice uh, from the Colchester fans yesterday, especially, there was a, a lot of fans calling for Robbie Cowley's head. Uh, do, do you think he can be solely to blame for the situation Colchester are in right now? Well, I can certainly understand why they would be coming at Cowling. You know, they've languished around this sort of position, 22nd in the league, to a point where I think there's a feeling at Colchester that eventually they won't get so lucky as such and will be relegated into the National League at some point if they keep sort of scraping above that zone for so long. And I'm a believer that a lot of, especially in business, football is a business, obviously. It all comes from the top. A lot of the frustrations at Cowling are sort of also being directed towards the appointment of Effrington, which I think is quite unfair for quite a young new manager who's have sort of in this environment for the first time in the role. So... Yeah, I understand the idea that it's a cheap appointment, but I also believe that that squad at Colchester is much better than the position that they're in if they could be well coached. So, yeah, I think everything does sort of stem from cowling. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people saying that he's far too in control of the coach's decision. So, yeah, I can see it in both ways. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been in that situation with a, a previous owner, so I kind of uh, can understand where some uh, frustration from the culture fans are coming from. But uh, Charlie, and uh, and this is coming from a friend of mine who is a culture fan who will be listening to this and will be uh, probably shouting if you don't agree with uh, with everything that he says. Mm -hmm. But 
Can Crawley realistically dream of a top seven finish this season? Or is it more likely going to be next season? Um, look, they can dream. Of course they can. Every fan does. And to be fair, it's normally pretty stupidly that we still do it. Uh, I don't necessarily see them being in the top seven this this season. And I don't think, you know, I'm saying that, but I'm not saying that because of Crawley. I just feel like the competition that they're up against this season is just so much stiffer than what they're able to sort of produce week in, week out. We know that had, they had that fantastic start to the season and they had a little bit of a sort of rough patch in the middle and now they start to get a little bit of form but again it's inconsistent you look at their last five league games it's win loss win loss and that's quite common actually for a few teams in and around this league but it's more common for teams a little bit lower down in the league i think crawler probably slightly above their sort of station at the minute maybe not in you know 11th place as a finishing position might be about right but i think when you bear in mind they're only one point off the playoffs at the minute just because of how close that kind of seventh to 11th place is i just feel like they're a little bit too close to the playoffs for what they maybe should be and i think it will start to even itself out and they may drop down a couple of positions and a few points away from the playoffs and then they'll probably settle realistically for mid-table obscurity i think if you offered any crawley fan 13th 14th place at the start of this season then have snapped your hand off and took it especially with all of the the situation the whole situations kind of off the pitch over the last kind of 12 months in particular for example to just have a solid season of mid-table obscurity and be able to create a base to build off of from like say kind of next season onwards that's exactly where they sort of need to be as a football club more than anything else so i think they'll you know, as much as you would like to think that they'll still be dreaming of a top seven finish, of course they will. And January transfer window may end up changing my mind, but I just feel like at the minute, mid-table obscurity is probably actually a good thing for them. Yeah, I, I've told so my, my my friend. I've told him numerous times. I think Scott Lindsay is a brilliant manager, and I think mm-hmm. he will get Crawley out of League Two but it won't be this season. I think it would be next season. I think, like you said, I, I think currently at the moment there are, you know, there are eight teams better. So seven teams better than, than Crawley, I think. So I think they're going to they miss out. Like you said, I think it's going to be mid-table. Uh, and this is not me, you know, disinclined. So I do generally believe there is a really good opportunity for them next season to get out this league with, with a very experienced uh, coach in Scott Lindsay at the helm. Uh, but look, after that 2-1 win from uh, Crawley yesterday, uh, that leaves Colchester in 22nd and Crawley are in 11th. Look, guys, uh, we're going to uh, stop here. We're going to give you five minutes to go and have a you know, little coffee break and then we're going to be right back with you shortly. Away days are great, especially when your striker bags a last-minute winner. But there's nothing quite like playing at home. And do you know what? The same goes for McDonald's. Why not maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery? Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is sponsored by the wonderful people over at NordVPN. The 2023-24 campaign is set to draw to a close, but the football never truly stops. With the Olympics, Euro 2024 and the new season set to commence in no time, make sure you don't miss any of the action wherever you may be in the world by downloading NordVPN. 
For just the price of one cup of coffee per month, NordVPN allows you to watch your favourite teams, players, shows and movies anywhere in the world, even if they aren't available in your region, simply by switching the location on your device to one which is showing the content. NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard, protecting your personal data and other sensitive information such as credit cards and passwords from falling into the wrong hands, which is always a worry when you travel abroad. And with just one subscription to NordVPN, you can use this service across six different devices, which is incredibly handy if you're traveling with your family and or loved ones. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash realEFL. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support our podcast too. The link is in the podcast episode description box. So now, back to the podcast. Welcome back, guys. I hope you enjoyed your bevy. Uh, well, let's move straight on to the next game. This was Atkinson versus Doncaster. Charlie, over to you. Yeah, I had the uh, utter privilege of watching this game that apparently happened. Um, although I can't really remember much from it. I don't think there wasn't that much to remember. Uh, I'll actually be honest. I didn't expect this game to even go ahead yesterday. I was... At, like. I said earlier, I was on the coach up to uh, Wigan yesterday and we were just all talking about all the different games that were being called off. And we had a little chat in the group chat at one point, didn't we, Matt? You were saying, you know, just constantly every sort of 10 minutes a game was being called off in League Two. And I didn't expect Accrington's game against Doncaster to go, to go ahead, mainly because of the rain that was lashing it down in that part of the country. And also the fact that Accrington's game against Lincoln was postponed on Tuesday night two minutes after kickoff was supposed to have happened as well. Uh, but, you know, I won't dwell on that. But the weather, the way it was, like I say, it made it a really, really difficult game um, and a whole difficult occasion. But obviously, you know, just based on what I've just said, I think the ground staff definitely deserve huge credit. Now, this is a, this was actually already the third fixture against these two so far this season. With seven goals between them in the two matches, a draw, two all, and a 2-1 Doncaster victory. Obviously, both of those games being in the FA Cup first round. Both sides had opportunities in this game, but a mix of good goalkeeping and some pretty poor finishing saw it finish nil-nil. Accrington certainly had the better of the chances, and more of them, hitting the target on three separate occasions, compared to Doncaster's zero. But, you know, the three shots on target, it was to no avail. It's another point for Rovers that pushes them away from the bottom echelons of the table, and it's a point for Accrington that keeps them within very close proximity of the top seven. I don't think it's a point that neither will be too dismayed about. Obviously, I think both teams would have maybe wanted the victory. Maybe Accrington Stanley fans expecting the victory more than what Doncaster Rovers fans would have been. But it's a point where not many other games went ahead. So teams around them both couldn't also couldn't kind of pick up the results that they were able to. Like I say, wasn't really that much that happened. There was a few chances. There was a couple of kind of um, shots that whistled by the post from Doncaster. Accrington as well had some good chances. And the uh, Doncaster goalkeeper, Lewis Jones, made some really nice saves. But yeah, ultimately, it was a game of football that happened. I've got, I've got to say, and I, I, I'm sure I remember the Doncaster goalkeeper kicking it from his hands and almost it bouncing over Joe Walsh, who's uh, who, who I was keeping an eye on because he's an ex-Jules uh, player. Mm-hmm. It almost bounced over him and, and went in, literally went the whole length of the pitch. But yeah, there was, I mean, it was so wet and windy and I felt so sorry for the players and 
I mean, there was some, there was some nice football bits of football played on the floor, which which you know you had to do in a game like that. There was no way the ball would be could go in the air because it was just being no. taken a, a million miles away. Um, but look, talking about uh, obviously it being the wheel and and what have you, Brandon. Um, Bit of a weird one for you, because where do you think Alcantara are going to need to strengthen in January? Because uh, I think if they're going to want to, you know, be serious contenders for the playoffs, they're going to need some real firepower potentially. Well, I think there's sort of two areas you can look at. So we're clear that yesterday's game was it was a horrible game. It was scrappy, and if it was going to be decided, it was going to be that sort of scrappy goal, maybe due to the conditions for a long throw or a set piece or something along those lines and I think uh, there's two things that get you across the line in those conditions it's leadership and that focal point in attack so I think those are the two key areas they need a focal point there's some very talented players in Tommy Lee and Longello but it's also such a young core of a squad and I think they could afford that guidance just to get them through those scrappy games and terrible conditions that we're so used to seeing in League Two. And I think a big element to getting out of League Two and into those races is being able to win games ugly, and that often stems through a team's leadership and core. Certainly does, and I think I should agree with you there. I think a couple of leaders are on the pitch there at Accrington, and then they could consider, maybe potentially consider themselves uh, a chance uh, there to to get into the playoffs. Um, but Charlie, I, I don't know if you obviously. I'm guessing you you went through and watched all the interviews afterwards, like I mm. I do. Uh, but Grant McCann, uh, sorry, Grant McCann actually said uh, that he was really pleased with the unyielding work rate of his players. So is that really going to be enough to keep them away from the bottom of the league? To be fair, I, I, you know, at risk of kind of copying, if you like, what, what Brandon has said, yes, because in this league, you really have to be able to do things in an ugly way that really just stems from a high level of work rate, a high level of bravery, um, constantly being willing to kind of put your body there, constant running, they're the sorts of things that in this league, they just sound so simple. They're the basics. They're what you would expect any single football player on a pitch to do. And yet they often don't. But it's what in this league can really set you apart from those teams around you in the league. I mean, we, we, you know, we've already spoken about Notts County players very much being slammed for that, for not showing that kind of level of basic sort of fight and anger and hunger and desire. Now, Yes, okay, Doncaster are very inconsistent this season and they're maybe struggling in the sort of technical side of the game as well that they would want to kind of link with this unyielding work rate. But at least they've got this to be able to kind of keep them away from the bottom two. Now, I don't see Doncaster being at any risk of relegation this season, but they don't even want to be looking over their shoulders. Let's say come the Easter weekend at the start of April, the last thing they want to be doing is looking over their shoulders and still thinking that there's a chance of a relegation. So if they can keep that work rate high and they can maybe make a couple of additions in January or Grant McCann can maybe train them so that their in-possession work is just as strong as what their out-of-possession work is being, you know, is being like so far this season, then I think they'll be a real kind of, they'll, they'll be a team that's set up for success. Do I necessarily see them having any success this season? Obviously not. But do I see them having any kind of 
any chance of relegation also no because like I say these basics this fight this desire this hunger that's the sort of thing that sets you apart from the teams around you absolutely it does and, and I think that's what helped Gillingham last year stay up and I think that's going to do the same thing with Doncaster they, they're going to as you said not have to worry about looking over their shoulder anymore and and uh yeah, who knows, maybe next season, potentially go for the playoffs. Uh, but after that nil-nil draw, uh, that leaves Accrington still in 10th and Doncaster are in 17th. So on to our next game. This was Grimsby versus Crew. Brandon, you, did you uh, go to the game yesterday? Yeah, so travelling from York, obviously. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, but we had three different pitch inspections, mm. so... All credit to the ground team for pulling that one off. And after watching that ball attempt to bounce, I'm not quite sure how it did go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, the wait is over. I finally, I'm finally about to say something positive about Grimsby on the podcast. So starting the game, Grimsby were looking to sort of, you know, bridge that gap between themselves and the bottom and the bottom two, Artel's first home game against his former club, looking for his first victory. And Connor Oriordan went very close for Crew from a long throw, strong header, and it was an excellent save from Harvey Cartwright. But then Grimsby, first half, some of the p- possession play and the way they were able to keep possession, particularly in that midfield partnership between Camille Conte and Alex Hunt, who's looked revitalised under... David Artel in these last three games. And then Aboisa from a short corner routine added to his own goal of the season compilation with a beautiful goal that we've just come to expect from him now. But he doesn't score in the six-yard box, as we found out on a few occasions. Crew had a great chance just on the edge of half-time when Lewis Billington just fired wide after a bit of a goal-mouth scramble. I believe it's in the YouTube highlights. And then they were punished from that immediately when Anthony Glennon did a cross from deep and Danny Rose made it 2-0 at the back post. Second half, a crew found a consolation goal within 13 minutes, but Grimsby did quite well to hold out and sort of dig in in a way that I've not really seen them do for quite a while. And, you know, the game probably could have been out of sight for us with the chances we created in the second half, but... I was quite glad to see them have that grit to get it over the line after they'd conceded and not completely fall apart as we have when we have conceded recently. Yeah, well, okay, I'm going to jump straight onto the questions then. Um, And actually, I'm I'm going to come over to to you for this one, uh, Charlie. So do you think this was just a blip in the road for crew yesterday or... And, and and this is where I'm just going to say this. Do you think these injury issues that they've got, do you think this is going to be a big concern for them? Or, you know, or, or, or was it just a blip? Well, I think, first of all, any injury sort of crisis, if you like, no matter how small or big, is always a concern for, for a manager and fans alike. Because it just it prohibits you from playing the exact style and the exact players that you want to play. And you never want to be forced into a decision. So, of course... At a base level, it is going to be a concern. 
Do I just think yesterday was a blip? Honestly, yes. Grimsby are in a really good run of form. Oh, no, I've actually just said something positive about Grimsby. Um, <laughs> look, Grimsby are in a really good run of form. Obviously, David Artel has, uh, has come in, got the victory yesterday as well. It's really, really positive for them, and I think they're slowly going to be climbing up the table. Obviously, I don't think they're going to be threatening anywhere near the top end of the table, but I think they're going to be able to try and climb themselves a little bit out of the danger zone that they're currently in. And they've already started doing that. You know, the two wins and three draws in their last five, it's only a positive. I think for crew, you know, look, it's a, it was away from home. We all know what the conditions were like uh, almost every game in the league yesterday. But, you know, like Brandon said, especially at, at Blundell Park, it seems, uh, it's never the nicest place to go full stop, let alone when the uh, weather is the way that it was. So they are going to be disappointed, but I think there are excuses, if you like, as much as I don't like using excuses in football, I think there are understandable excuses for them. Their next games are key for them. I think for me, Accrington at home and then Barrow at home, those two are really going to set them apart. Those two kind of results are really going to set them apart as to whether or not they're fighting with that kind of top four top five group that we're currently seeing at the minute that have kind of got those well uh, as the top six they've currently got a few points gap down to seventh and onwards are they going to be there or are they going to be down in that kind of seventh to twelfth battle the these two games at home to Accrington, at home to barrow both sides who you would expect to be up there within the top 10 at the bare minimum especially with the way that for example barrow are playing at the minute it's going to be key for them to pick up two results. If they can and they can turn it around quickly, then I think it just proves that this is a blip. And I do think that's what they're going to do. Um, but they are, of course, going to be concerned with the loss. But I don't think it's sort of that key, especially when, like I say, you bear in mind, they've actually only lost one home match all season. And that was to Stockport, when Stockport were on a silly winning run. So... The fact that yesterday was away from home, the fact that they've had two home, home games coming up, I don't really think it's a major cause for concern yet for crew. Yeah, the, the injury obviously issue, it obviously, as you said, is, is a big concern for any manager. Uh, it just obviously does seem like they have quite a lot there at the moment, which is a bit of a shame. But um, I'm going to jump over to this question for you, Brandon. And look, uh, my, my game obviously was off yesterday, unfortunately. So I had the pleasure of picking another game to watch. And I actually decided to sit and watch the, the Groomsby game myself. And I thought it was a cracking game of football uh, between two really honest teams. But there was a player that kept standing out to me every time he had the ball and his movement off the ball. And, and that was Alex Hunt. And do you know what? I just thought he was absolutely phenomenal yesterday. And just how good do you think this guy could become under David Artel? Because he didn't get a look in, did he, under the uh, previous regime? Yeah, so when Artel was first appointed, a lot of the sort of dynamic that was being built up was Camille Conte working under David Artel. And, you know, this squad, I believe, possesses quite a lot of good young talent that can be developed under Artel. And Alex Hunt was almost that forgotten man. He's obviously had a loan spell with us back in the non-league season where he's excellent. But since he's come back, we've got him on a we signed him on a three-year deal. He's still got a year and a half left on that. And you know, when we first got him, it was a big investment for the club, but he never really found his exact role in midfield. And you know, that can be system dependent. 
obviously, and I don't think Paul Hurst really knew the best midfield to put around him or the best sort of position in midfield to put him in. But you probably noticed he played slightly ahead of Camille Conte and then Harry Clifton provided that sort of energy and dynamism to cover his sort of physical, where he lacks physically. And that really gave him the space to get on the ball and then be a real positive asset for us moving forward and yeah he was brilliant yesterday and in the other two games he's been absolutely superb and that midfield pivot of him and Camille Conte I think will be a real asset for us moving forward and I'd be surprised if in a year's time they're not playing higher hopefully that be with us but yeah I think clubs will definitely be looking at those two he's very highly thought of at Sheffield Wednesday and we're starting to see that talent really emerge as he was on his loan spell under Artel. Yeah, yeah, there was just something about, uh, about him uh, yesterday. You know, uh, as I said, he's, everything sort of seemed to go through him. He sort of seemed to be the architect going forward. Um, and, and he sort of actually sort of, I mean, when I did my research, I sort of realised he was only 23. I thought he was sort of in his sort of later 20s, to be honest. The way he sort of played, he sort of played with a real maturity yesterday. And, yeah, I thought he was absolutely phenomenal. And, uh, you know, I mean, as you said, I think potentially, yes, clubs might come in for him. But I hope for, for Grimsby's sake, he does stay there at least for the rest of this season. And, and, and who does let you know, see what happens in uh, in the summer. But uh, obviously, after that 2-1 win by Grimsby yesterday, that leaves them in 19th and the crew are in 5th. On to our last game of the day. Yes, it is a short one this week because they all got postponed because of rain. Uh, this was Tranmere versus Newport, and I had the pleasure of watching this one as well and going through this one. And it finished Tranmere 2 Newport won and Tranmere came from two goals behind uh, to beat Newport here. Um, look, first off, I've got to say off the bat, uh, Newport, I, I mean, they would, they turned up for 22 minutes and then I think they decided to go home early uh, because after that, Tranmere were just absolutely unstoppable. Um, I, I'll, I'll talk you through a couple of the goals. So Evans scored... Uh, for uh, Newport in the 22nd minute. Uh, ball came in, uh, crossed in from the left to right, so from right to left, sorry, headed back into the box and he's basically thumped his foot through the ball. Uh, I will say though, guys, have you seen the goal? Because I want to know if you've seen the celebration. I uh, haven't seen the celebration, no. no I think, so, you know the celebration where you put your foot on somebody's knee and they shine your shoe? Like, you oh, know, yes. Yeah. He, that was meant to happen, but instead of him putting his foot on somebody's knee, he decided to go down on his knee, and the other guy just comes in and he's like, "Okay, well, I'll lift your foot up off the floor then." And it's very <laughs> weird. You've got to see it. Um, it's it's very weird, weird celebration. Um, and then uh, Tranmere fought back in the second half. Uh, they they really did come on strong. They uh, uh, scored in the 57th minute. Morris got the ball uh, in the, about sort of 12 yards out and managed to fire home into the back of the net. Uh, and then in the 88th minute, uh, again, Tranmere, uh, Jennings scored for Tranmere. It was a great little ball through, played through. Um, there was a shot that was blocked on the edge of the area. Uh, ball then comes out, whipped back in, uh, and then th uh, uh, literally a thunderous uh, 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 shot. Uh, uh, excuse me. Uh, no, hang on. Sorry. No, I'll 
apologies. That's the miss. That was the miss. Sorry, that was a great bit of play. Sorry, I've, I've written down my notes from the wrong thing here. Apologies. <laughs> oh, this is when you love reading things wrong. So there was a great bit of play, sorry, by Tranmere. I was saying was in this build-up, there was about uh, 20 or so passes and the ball literally cannons back off the bar. Uh, again, if you get a chance to go back and watch it, it was a gorgeous little bit of play. Uh, but yeah, sorry, in, it was in the uh, 88th minute, sorry, uh, Jennings scored for Tranmere. Um, so yeah, as I said, basically it was a ball that came in, uh, uh, cross came in from the right hand side. Apologies, getting it right. Uh, he's got the ball on the edge of the rear area, uh, and somehow managed to curl the ball and get the ball into the back of it. It was a cracking goal, guys. Um, I, I do you know what I've got to say uh, off the back of this? Tranmere do not look like a team that are going to be down there at come the end of the season. They under new, uh, Nigel Atkins, they look like a team. Uh, new team reborn almost. They look absolutely phenomenal going forward and their home form is definitely going to help keep them up. But guys, I've got to ask you a couple of questions now because, Charlie, Tranmere, look, that's five games they've gone unbeaten. Ten points, I know it sounds a bit weird saying this, but look, they're ten points off the playoffs. Could they make it? No. Um, it's, it's kind of, I, I, am, I am just genuinely going to be kind of as blunt as that. I don't think they've done They've got any chance of making it? Although, if they can obviously keep up this form, then they will, then you know who knows where you know how high the table they're going to get. I don't see them breaking into the top half necessarily, but I certainly you know they've got the potential to, to maybe hit that kind of fifteenth, fourteenth position this season. And you know if they do, and that let's say they end up also sitting on the same area as let's say where Crawley finish, it's going to be sort of the tale of two contrasting seasons one who had a really good start to the season uh, and then kind of fell off slightly and a team that had a really poor start to the season and then picked it up i think tranmere were obviously underperforming where they should be at the start of the season we know that but at the same time you've got to bear in mind they yes they're five unbeaten but they've picked up only 11 well they've picked up 11 points i don't want to say only because that's a lot picked up 11 points out of the last possible 15 and yet they're Still, you know, they're still 10 points off the playoffs. They're still only on 21 points after 21 games. So even though they're on this incredible run, they were starting from such a poor position that, you know, I feel like getting playoffs or anything like that is just far too much of a stretch. I could, I think they'll just be pleased with considering the way the season started to be able to have mid-table obscurity if they are able to push on and carry on this form and get there. Yeah, I mean, look, it would be a big ask. They would have to probably go on a kind of stockport uh, kind of run to, to, to be able to get up there. Uh, but yeah, look, I mean, this league is so tight. I mean, look, Tranmere are in 21st and they are only 10 points off for playoffs and we're sort of nearly halfway through the season. It's a very, very tight league this year. Anyone can beat anyone. And talking about anyone beating anyone, look, Newport, uh, they've got quite a, a bit of a tough uh, couple couple of games coming up. They've got Grimsby up next, uh, then Wrexham, Forest Green, uh, then Crewe. Uh, uh, that's all just around off December. So, look, Brandon, how many points are they going to get from those four, uh, four games? Well, while it's a tough run, it's all, they're also very different games to approach for Newport, given the positions are all quite retrospectively different for all of the play teams that they're coming up against. But... Yeah, do I see Newport getting enough points or expecting enough points to make a challenge for the playoffs? No, I think they'd be happy with 15th. But from these games, I think 
you know, they just want to see, particularly the similar to those performances against Stockport, just show similar levels. And, you know, the manager has often come on that their performances have been a lot better than their results. And I think, you know, they'd be quite happy to sort of keep those performances up, especially in recent home games that they've had. But in terms of points, I think if they can get sort of the six to seven mark, they'd be very happy with that and sort of maintain their position and sort of creep into the top half. I think they'd be very happy with that. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think um, no, no, again, no offense. You know, out of the, those four games, you know, twelve points available. Look, I, 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 apologies when I say this. I think the Grimsby game is winnable, uh, Brandon. Unfortunately, for I'm going to say that uh, I think that is winnable for them. But I think the Wrexham game, the Crew game, they're two really tough games. The Forest Green again, that that's winnable for them. Uh, but I think, yeah, now they've they've got to kind of think playoffs. No, no, it's it's a no, no. It's mid table this year. Let's get mid table uh, security, and then who knows next season? Try and push on. Uh, after that, though, two one win by Tranmere that leaves them in twenty first, and Newport are in fifteenth. And that is the last game, guys. We've come to the end of the show. Wow, this is going to be a, short, uh, sorry, a slightly shorter one, obviously, because a load of the games get pulled off. But I'm sure they're going to be rearranged for a nice midweek long trip to Barrow at some point uh, for a Jules <laughs> fan. That's going to happen, isn't it, guys? Well, more than likely. I've, I've got the joy of praying that Accrington are able to keep their pitch playable for Tuesday night as well as I head up there for a uh, Bristol Street Motors trophy clash. Hopefully it doesn't get called off after the start of the game again. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, well, what about you, Brandon? When, when's your next match? Um, I believe I'll be going to Harrogate at home, but just on your point about Barrow, uh, fun fact for you, we've never played Barrow not on a Tuesday night. So you could be a Grimsby fan making a seasonal Tuesday night trip to Barrow. Oh, that that's not that's not nice. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we're going to round it off there, and we will see you next week. the 90th minute and all your mates around watching your team on iFollow you've got your McNugget share box on the go and you know what your mates already got booked for double dipping but then late on you steal in grab the last nugget and snatch all three points perfect why not order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app are you in at participating restaurant 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 